1: Hey, welcome to Knowles 24-7's On The Bench Podcast. This is Brennan Sinone. I got Chris Neat right here next to me. Ready to talk a little hoops? That, that was, was like
0: an offensive line. That, really was, that was me like, slapping his thighs. Yeah, Josh We ran it down their throat.
1: Josh, well, speaking. Hey, Josh, how's it going? Are you jealous that you're not in the same room with us right now?
2: Nah, man, I'm just lucky to be here. I'm happy i'm healthy kind of and i'm just happy to be here
1: let's let's uh reveal a little bit a, a little sneak behind the curtain a glimpse behind the curtain uh josh almost was lost for he's almost put on the ir right before the recording of the show if you'd like to share that with everyone josh yeah i just want
2: everybody to know that i'm podding through some pain right now about two hours ago i had an unfortunate accident in pregame warmups. i was uh I was walking outside to do something in my yard and I stepped off the back porch wrong on a whole thing of pine needles and twisted my ankle. Um, I thought it was broken. I'm, I'm lying on the ground and I'm thinking like, it's two hours before the pod. How am I going to tell Brandon this? I'm so disappointed in myself that in the first moment of pain, I thought about Brandon in this podcast. Uh, that disgusted me, but, um, <laughs> It's not broken. I can put weight on it. I think you know when they talk about athletes getting that uh, high ankle sprain. I think I have a high a high one. The high version ankle
1: emphasis on the high. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
2: this is this is something that I'm going to be potting through in the future. This isn't just a one a one time deal. So I'm taped up. Uh, I got some uh, medicine in me, and I'm ready to go. Once again, morbidly obese Chris is the <laughs> healthiest, healthiest member of the podcast one. team.
1: <laughs> Not, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, Depends like which metric you're looking at.
0: Fifty-five year old. <laughs>
1: uh, you know, sometimes we get these questions when people like to joke around, like, "Oh, could you guys beat up the War Chant crew, or could you beat up Wayne from the Democrat, or can you take Jeff Cameron?" These are the questions that get put on the, the uh, on the bench podcast question forms. Uh, Josh slipping on oh, pine
2: needles gosh. explains and, it all.
1: We would lose. There's, there's no
0: point to ask the question. Jeff anymore. has top-notch conditioning because of Orange Theory.
1: And and I think Jeff's, like, beaten up people before, too. Like, he's got a little grittiness to him. And he's a, he's a bigger dude, too. Jeff would kick all of our Chicken asses. and
0: fish, too. That man's living a healthy life.
1: Yeah, I don't want any of that. And if there's pine needles there, forget it. Josh is going to forget all over the place like a banana peel. All right, so for today's podcast, we are previewing – what's going to be the first of three big official visit weekends in a row here in January. Uh, I want to get through that and spend a good portion of time on the podcast over what we're expecting, the dynamic of the OVs, uh, whatnot. Uh, Before we do that, though, we want to do a few uh, house cleaning items, just some odds and ends that we're trying to tie together here with news items. We do want to take your guys' questions. We'll do that at the end of the podcast. But first, Josh, how many minutes should we give Chris knee to talk about FSU's spectacular basketball team?
0: You need to put proper respect
1: on it.
2: Yeah, I got on here before we started and I said, Brendan, I know our shtick about uh rushing Chris off the stage when it comes to hoops, but I sat down and I watched that game last night. It was a it was a it was a great game. I was I was excited. um, I was entertained is the word that I'm looking for. And I didn't necessarily expect that with FSU playing Virginia. Therefore, since I watched the game last night, I think it's time to give FSU hoops some respect and let Chris opine on this a little bit, give his opinion, kind of recap what he saw and how he thinks this team is coming together moving forward.
1: This this is your form, Chris. We're going to turn it over to you to talk about hoops. Just real quick though, the look of pride on Chris's face when Josh said (laughs) that he watched hoops last night and it was like, yeah, I, I've been telling you guys. Now we just got
0: to get them watching college baseball and it will be. You
2: know, yeah, completely... I mean FSU was out there hitting threes. They were dunking. Um, it was it was a fun it was a fun game to watch. I know it wasn't as high scoring, but Chris had Chris had gotten me ready for that because I told him that I was going to watch the game. And he's like, well, you know, Virginia isn't the most entertaining game to watch. It's not really FSU, and I was like, all right, all right, all right, and I watched a Great game.
1: Go ahead. That was, that's enough analysis. Let's move on to something else. All right. So Virginia FSU last
0: night. FSU wins 54-50. Tight game. FSU came out like they were men on fire. Scored 12 real quick, and then they basically didn't score for 10 minutes. So it returned to reality of playing Virginia. Virginia plays that slow style defensive. They really drag it out. So FSU after that win is 15 and two on the season. They've won eight in a row. They're five and one in the ACC. They sit at the top of the league with Duke and Louisville. They'd have the tiebreaker over Louisville having beaten them head-to-head them and Duke play a little bit later so FSU six games into the league schedule it's the first year of 20 league games so that means 14 more league games to go FSU plays at Miami on Saturday the 18th that begins a stretch of 30 days with nine ACC games so obviously a lot of it's going to be figured out in that time you know they go to Miami to come home a week later they host Notre Dame then they go back to Virginia to kind of settle that score with them B Tech comes up. That's also up in Virginia. They come back home to host UNC, who's dreadfully bad this year. Then they host Miami, and then they go to Duke on February 10th. So that's really a very important tight stretch for them. Obviously, that game with Duke on February 10th, the importance of it just keeps growing. Why is FSU 15-2? You know, it's funny. I was having a conversation with Shem and some others last night that in the teams we've covered in the last 10 years, this one talent-wise – truthfully might be like the third or fourth or around their best. It's not the most talented. It's not like that J.I. Beasley Bacon team. Now the top end is great. Trent Trent's an undeniable leader. He's everything you want in a veteran on your team. He's, you know, a guy that helps to run that program. He keeps the trains on time. Devin Vassell is a special player. We're probably gonna lose him after this year to the pros at the rate he's going. He's really starting to break out of the shell nationally as a guy that people are respecting. His ability to create shots has drastically improved from a season ago. He's a dead-eye shooter when he's on. He's done a very good job around the room. And then they've kind of had whoever wanted to step up on a given night. MJ Walker had a couple good games in a row. He sort of disappeared to some degree last night. Raekwon Gray, Turk, as I like to call him, Played pretty dreadfully last night, other than a great assist late in the game that created an open shot. Now, the guy who stepped up last night, Anthony Polite, career high, 4 for 4 from deep, 14 total. Is he the one who looks like Jordan Travis? Yeah, him and Jordan look kind of similar. Anthony's a guy who clearly has gained confidence in his shooting. He's kind of a spot shooter that he created with. He's also going to play really hard nosed defense. But, you know, to finally, in all of this, as they're winning, winning always kind of covers up some things. Their interior game hasn't been very good. They're without Balsa Koprivec. He hurt his back. He's been out for several games. He's probably out for a few more. Dom Dominic Olischnik. I'm messing that up. But Dom, he, uh, you know, he, he's been what you expect of a graduate transfer. He's going to play hard, grab a couple boards. He had a great block last night, but he's not setting the world on fire. Malik Osborne's kind of a guy who wanted to be a face up four that because of their lack of depth has become more of an interior guy Malik plays his backside off. He's an effective rebounder will block some chart to play hard defense, but they are not getting interior touches and creating offense through the interior game. The key to this team is the on the ball defense by the guards. It's, awesome it's the best i can remember in the ham era and he's had some unbelievably good defensive teams.
1: vintage leonard Hamilton.
0: trent, trent first is a nightmare on the ball the 10 second violation that they got late in that game last night was awesome like that that's vintage classic ham junkyard dog defensive teams and this team can do that they can just irritate the living hell out of people on the ball and then you know we talked about Devin, we talked about anthony we talked about mj walker having some good games here and there so they've had different guys step up i think the most important thing is this group understands who and what they are they understand they are the best of their collective it's not about superstars it's about the group of them the 15 deep including walk-ons and then it's the fact that they are the most unselfish bunch they they play to their strengths on a given nine if they can't hit threes they start trying to drive to the rim. if they can't finish at the room. They try to create open looks on the interior. or on, sorry, not the interior the mid range and things of that sort. They're kind of smart in the sense of handling it in the whole moment of the game. And it's just funny. I mean, I expected FSU to win last night. Virginia is nowhere near what they were last year. They're now 500 in league play three and three. They've lost three in a row for the first time since 1617. So they're not the Virginia of last year that won a national title. but Virginia, you know, they, they hold people down. They've held numerous ACC opponents under 50 this year. And they're just painful, and they're the type that if you don't play well, and FSU didn't play particularly well last last night, they will beat you, and they didn't. And the fact that FSU kind of persevered and won that game is super encouraging to me. I, I really think FSU has a legit shot of winning the ACC, and I don't feel like that's far-fetched to say. I mean, I think Duke's really good. I think it's them and Duke at the top. Louisville, if they can figure some things out, will be in that discussion, but Louisville's having some issues offensively. But FSU is right there, and I I thought going into the year they would be good. I wasn't one of these people that thought they were rebuilding in a bubble-type team. I didn't feel that way, but I thought they would have some issues here and there. I thought there would be stretches of good and stretches of bad, and the truth is they've been really good. I mean, they lost Pitt opening game. That is what it is. It's on the road, first game of the season, always tough to forecast, and they lost at Indiana on a night when Indiana couldn't miss a shot. Those are their two losses. And they've played some really good teams, Tennessee, Purdue out of conference, Florida, who obviously isn't as good as everybody thought going into the year. But still, it's a rivalry game early in the year. And they've hit ACC play and went to Louisville, won multiple ACC games by double digits. They're legit. And it's, it's fun to watch. And I think fans should get fully behind it. There were 10,000-plus there last night. It was a good crowd. Tough to get into that game at times because there were dreadful stretches. But the fan support is good, but this team is one to fully buy in on, in my opinion.
1: Uh, With that in mind, Chris, uh, I know there was a point, and it's changed in the last few years, where people have stopped being surprised when they win games like this. And you said you went into it thinking that this you would win. When 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 has it changed? Because it seems like they've
0: been 58
1: and three at home in their
0: last 61, 18 straight at home now. After that win last night, they win at home. I don't care who the hell is wearing a jersey on the other side of the court. They're going to have a chance to beat that team when it's at the tuck. And I think the other thing is, you know, four or five years ago when they kind of converted the offensive system, got a little more pizzazz to it, started recruiting a different kind of athlete. I think that changed it. But I think the big thing with this team is that you got kind of a great pyramid at the very top of Trent Farris as both a player and a leader. Trent offensively was so-so last night, but he still stuffed the sheet with stats. You know, seven boards, seven assists, multiple blocks, four steals. He did a lot of things that helped create that win, even though he struggled offensively. And then you got, you know, Devin, who's kind of just a disgustingly good shooter. MJ Walker's kind of an X-factor, but he's up there because on a good night, he's great. And then you work your way down. The base of that right now is the depth and the interior bigs because you're only getting so much from that group right now. But if that starts clicking, then look out. I mean, you're going to be really a well-rounded bunch that can go against anybody. I'm interested to see when FSU plays a team that has a couple qualified bigs who they can just keep feeding in a post in the half court how FSU handles that on both ends. And I I think that would be a big test for FSU. I don't know, looking at the schedule, who I would say is definitely that team. Like last night, Virginia got a lot out of the room. When they wanted to get it out of the room, they couldn't couldn't hit threes. But FSU is kind of willing to give you that if you're able to beat them to the half court. FSU, the ability to get into a half court set and get yourself enough time where you can – loosen it up and create lanes and go ISO and create something where you can attack the basket. That's really tough against FSU. They're going to, the clock is going to be killed by FSU defensively because how much pressure they put on the ball.
1: All right. So that's our basketball talk. Unless there's anything else you want to add in case you guys can tell my boy is excited about this team and uh, for good reason. All right, Josh, what do you got for us? Yeah. Before
2: we get into our recruiting talk, I just want to use this platform to say RIP banditos burritos you guys remember on Lake Bradford, right off Jackson Bluff, um, an saw a post that they are closing their doors. So bless you guys for those dollar tacos you had on Friday night happy hour. I saved a lot of money on dinner that I used later to purchase shots with at AJ's. So um, Bandito's Burritos, you will be missed.
1: He's aging himself. AJ's doesn't yeah. exist anymore. Jesus. No, and
2: neither does Bandito's. <laughs> We're all washed. Here I am.
1: Old asses. All right. <laughs> Before we get into recruiting and questions, some of the housekeeping notes. Uh, start off with the support staff. I know there's been a lot of interest in it. I think we've given you guys a pretty good update consistently, uh, both here and then obviously on Knowles 24-7, of, of how that support staff is shaping up. Uh, one change to it since our last podcast, Mike Trier of, uh he came over from Marshall as an on-field coach. Uh, to be an analyst at FSU, that was considered a really big deal. Both he was a recruiting coordinator. Uh, I think it was a safeties coach at, at Marshall or Corners. Uh, safeties. Safeties and uh, recruiting. And the recruiting coordinator. I said that. I said recruiting coordinator. But anyways, uh, he has accepted a job uh, at Colorado State, according to Football Scoop, as a safeties coach. It's a move that makes sense because he uh, he's worked with Colorado State's coordinator before in a couple different spots. So that's kind of the name of the game. Like You get these guys as analysts and it's great, uh, but if they get jobs elsewhere on field that are enticing, they're going to take it. Uh, The silver lining, I think, guys, it looks like Brandon Harris, the son of a a famous uh, South Florida Miami coach. Ice Harris looks like he's going to be on the staff in an analyst role. I would assume Brandon is going to be working with defensive backs, like how Mike would have been, given that Brandon was an NFL player at cornerback. You guys may remember him. He played at Miami, was a pretty highly ranked recruit, but Miami ties, given what his... uh, what his dad has done at Miami Booker T Washington, some other places as well. So tough to lose Mike, but you get a, another quality guy. It just shows uh, that, that Mike Norvell is really quick and adept at finding guys. He has a Rolodex ready to go at all times, uh, anything on the Miami stuff. I and mean, that's good to get the Miami connections kind of, smoothed out and, and someone that no, you I mean, know has I, familiarity there
0: ice is one of those guys that everybody knows down there he's done it a long time he did it at a really high level at a very big school so you know it's a, it's a connection it's something that helps you get through the door and people are always concerned about we always talk about south florida is very much about relationships and this is just a good example of an opportunity presented itself and they went and got a guy who has some relationships out there so it should help
1: uh Looking at some other spots to fill, uh, the one that kind of remains obvious, and we've talked about this before, Josh, I, I, just to kind of give us an update and what makes sense here, recruiting staff, the, the mm-hmm. off-field recruiting staff, still a work in progress, correct? Although that's— As expected. As expected. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, there.
2: this is something that we talked about on, I think, the last two podcasts mm-hmm. where I mentioned that the, the recruiting staff likely won't be in place until after signing day.
1: But people it's still, still want to know.
2: It still looks like that's the case, uh, waiting for the first domino to fall, which is going to be the, um, the lead guy who's it's th- that, job is going to be a little different than we, what we saw with FSU in the past. Um, we'll see how the hires made. And then I expect a couple trickle downs from there, maybe two or three more. So maybe a total of three to four total uh, recruiting hires are going to be made after the season. Um, so we'll see. There's a couple names involved. Uh, Justin Krause back at Memphis is one of the guys that I'm watching. I've been told um, over the weekend to keep an eye out on Clemson staff. There's a couple. Um, I, I doubt it's the it's their main recruiting guy, but there's a couple people over on Clemson staff that FSU has their eye on. So again, think we still see about two or three more weeks until we have any finalization on the recruiting staff.
0: And we continue to hear Heard it again last night, and in fact at the basketball game that. When they work on filling that staff out and the remainder of the off field types, they are looking for someone who, social media wise, is going to be an asset, both in video creation, graphic creation, and just having a sense of how to handle that in today's climate with student athletes, prospective student athletes.
2: Yes. I believe that the higher that they're making is, I think that Norvell's looking more at this person for their computer, sk- their technical skills, and their organization than um evaluating. I think the 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 biggest hire he's looking to make is somebody that's not going to necessarily have to do with the evaluating but is going to play a critical role in recruiting.
1: And speaking of uh of graphics, uh, FSU football had a good one with the Tamari and Terry, uh, the the Jeopardy yes, uh, Diamond. <laughs> diamond uh yes. it was well it done, well be executed. There. Let's credit where credit's due i know i'm clapping it sounds sarcastic but i do think credit where credit's due and
0: uh, the offered ones with the stripe down the middle i know some people were split on that i thought it was pretty solid was pretty clean and it conveys the message well yep yep i think kids seem to like it yep i
1: think i think they've been they've been good it's been more buttoned up lately and that's that's good stuff uh, for the program some people don't care about it i tend to think that it's at least something that you need to be consistently decent at if not great at yeah so play you park keep.
0: if you're competing with others i mean there's ohio states of the world who are knocking out a park i don't know if fsu's ready to play on that platform but
1: just don't put mlk in yeah don't,
0: don't and, put it in the water
1: no no not 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 great all right so that's good uh things are looking nice and organized we're feeling good right now uh two names that i at least want to put out there on the recruiting front and we had reported a week ago that Lloyd Willis was looking to enroll early. He was expected to. He had told Zach Blostein that he was planning to come later in the week. He was getting done uh, academically. Uh, it looked like they were ready to accept him, have him in. Not sure if that's the case now. We're not entirely sure what the delay is. We've reached out to Lloyd. He's been fairly cryptic, I guess, with with the exact answer why as to why he's not coming. But at this point, we're assuming he won't be here early right. now. His,
0: his answer lent itself to he does not intend to enroll early now. The specific reason why he kind of banged a U-turn is unclear.
2: Disappointing. Oh, hey you know hey guys, saying? the committee giveth and the committee taketh. Okay, <laughs> just when you thought the committee was on your side, they flex their muscles and say, "Ah, not so fast." They dangle that little carrot. No, but in all seriousness, um, I don't think it had anything to do with that. It's most likely a credit, you know, a credit issue, not necessarily a GPA or SAT issue, but probably more of a credit issue would be my guess.
0: And while Josh is spitting conspiracies, punter Alex Maschermano. I was told by his trainer, Johnny, that works with with PKA, PKA, which is Pro Kick Australia, that he was coming at some point in January. Last time I asked Johnny, which was a couple of days ago, he said he believes that's still a plan. As far as we know, Alex doesn't have a class schedule, and it's kind of reached a point where enrolling would be weird. Now, I don't know if he could come over and just hang out. Um, like, I don't know academically where he is. I've not talked to Alex. He's tough to get a hold of. Um, but at this point, he's not on the roster officially, and I don't really have a clear answer of if it's a possibility he still could join it here in this month, or if you know he won't be.
1: And my understanding is, I'm not an expert by this, at this by any means, but uh, some people are going to wonder, oh, because the the class schedules are set in stone already. The semester started, uh, academics and athletics, athletics is going to work on a, a different schedule than others, so they could still yeah. get him in conceivably in late January and it's not the end of the world. They figure it out Uh, for what it's worth. Again, both Lloyd Willis and Alex Mastromano do have, uh, did have at least some inclination that there was going to be like the FSU was preparing for them to be here. Yeah. Uh, Things changed and fluid and then, and whatever. All right.
0: One other house cleaning item before we move on to recruiting is uh, Sanford released their football schedule officially yesterday. That okay. game with FSU is September 12th. So FSU will open in Atlanta with West Virginia on September 5th, host Samford in the home opener, travel to Boise on the 19th, and they face UF on the 28th of November in Tallahassee. So a couple of things with that. One, bing, bang, boom, three non-conference to open the season, and no non-con game before Florida. So we'll see if that's going to either be an open week or a lowly ACC team.
1: Probably possible that week. Um, yeah. it's probably isn't the best time to tell you, Chris. I have a wedding to go to in September, and then Ashley has a wedding to go to either in September or October. What kind of person has friends that has weddings in football season? And these are both – were both – both sides were in our wedding party too, so this is kind of a – Poorly trained people. Uh, I would prefer it to not be in September, or October, but you know what? You make time for your friends. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, I'm planning to go to Boise anyways, and I'll be in Atlanta. And I would love to be able to go to so. Boise. Hopefully, that's the one I really want to yeah. get to. But just put it out there for you. it. Looks like and I'll be covering the bowl game this year. The
0: ACC schedule came out, I think, actually today last year. Right, January 16th sounded right for last year. Oh, I know it was around this ballpark. It's usually in this and before spring, we've not gotten a heads up when it's coming this year. Usually the league drops, you know, a 48 hours, 24 hours, three days type of thing and we haven't seen any of
1: that probably still mad at you for having it last year didn't you have it early (laughs) no comment (laughs) okay let's take a commercial break then we're gonna get into the official visit weekend and uh, take some select questions and then we'll wrap up because josh has to go see the doctor because his ankle is imploding right now
0: (laughs) i'm not going to the doctor damn pine needles
1: Damn pine needles, indeed. All right, welcome back to On the Bench, the first of three big official visit weekends for Florida State and Mike Norvell. Right now we have four names confirmed. Obviously, things can change. This is fluid. I know people are going to ask about surprise visitors. If we knew about them, they wouldn't be a surprise. Fluid. Checked off. Check the boxes. Checked (laughs) off. (laughs) All right, let's go down the line here. Uh, Chris, I'll have you start with Corey Wren, the athlete from Louisiana, three-star prospect running back wide receiver can do it. He's someone I would be really, really excited uh, to be at Florida state and see what he can do. Mike Norvell's offense. Cause I, I, they've lacked that home run hitter for a yeah. while now.
0: People like to ask, is he a running back? You know, what position is he on? Hey, he's a running back and a receiver. He's both. He's an offensive weapon. And, and, and he's, he's a versatile. quarterback
1: technically in high yeah, school.
0: So you, you can use him in a lot of ways. If you want to get creative, he's the kind of dude that allows you to do just that. Former Georgia commitment, reopened it back in December. I had a relationship with Norvell and his staff at Memphis. Also know some other members of the staff from other stops. For example, I think he knows Dillingham, some from Auburn Um, FSU just likes him. Like it's not a, Oh, he fills a running back need or a receiver need. They just like him. He's an offensive guy that can help them. Louisville, TCU, Oklahoma, Oklahoma state also involved in this recruitment. Just the vibe I get from it, the feeling I get from it, from keeping up with it. I think TCU has been a pretty big player. But he's been a little all over the place. Arizona State was trending at one point when he decommitted from Georgia. Then I think the coaching change that happened on that staff kind of ended his relationship with them. I also think they got another back, so that kind of allowed it to move on. So it's kind of tough to read, but this should be his final official. He's he used four others already. He hasn't set a date for decision. He's kind of clammed up and been pretty quiet. He talked about stepping away from social media on social media the other day, so he's kind of laying low. But he's a guy that's been here before. He has some familiarity with FSU former staff it'll be interesting to see how this weekend goes i believe last time if i recall correctly he came with i want to say both parents
1: definitely mom if i remember right so you're looking to see if both parents are here again for this yeah time?
0: i think if i recall correctly the photo we got was him and mom walking up to kendall but i think dad was parking the car if i remember correctly so you know i'm um, uh, it's always important to have family when you want to visit. A lot of times when a guy visits without a parent or both parents, it's kind of
1: a bad omen. Mm-hmm. Especially when it's like the last one of the yeah. official visits to take so they're just looking to take something and, and see something and have fun. So uh, does anyone have a crystal ball for Corey Run except for me?
0: I'm uh, reckless with the I think balls. you're the only one currently. If I did have one in, I'd probably have it in on FSU, truthfully. Um, TCU
1: would be the other one I would really consider right now. Okay. Speaking of crystal balls, uh, there were a bunch of balls that dropped just about an hour or two ago, but Josh got it going earlier this morning or was it last night? Josh, four, Juco running back with Webb. I think you were the first. You started off a chain he, reaction.
0: He, he snuck that thing in during the basketball game last night, I believe.
2: Yeah, the FSU hoops had me feeling so good that I went out and put in a with Webb crystal ball, the first one to drop. Since then, I believe there's been five crystal ball picks to come in. Um, Le-Damian Webb is a five foot, 890 pound Juco running back from Jones County junior college, that's in Alabama, um, he is no, coming in, in this Mississippi. I'm sorry. He's, he's, from, from, he's from, from Alabama. Alabama. He's from Alabama. Yes. Yes. School's in Mississippi. Jones Jones is in Mississippi. He's originally from Alabama. He was being recruited heavily at Memphis. So it makes sense that FSU needs a back. And are going to make a move on him. I'm expecting, or I shouldn't say I'm expecting, but I think there's a very good chance that Damian Webb uh, leaves Florida State as a commitment or commits very soon after, maybe a 24 hour window. Um, we'll see how that goes. He doesn't have any other trips scheduled right now, and FSU needs somebody to come in and kind of bridge the gap between the freshmen that they're bringing in. And all the question marks that are either on the roster or off the roster, we don't know what's happening with Anthony Grant. We don't exactly know of Laybourne's health right now or his status. Um, We'll know a lot more in the spring, but it looks like they're putting a premium on with Damian Webb, a guy that doesn't have home run speed, but does have the ability to come in here and compete for a starting job, especially if a guy like Anthony Grant or Laybourne or both are not in the mix.
1: You're, Again, you're freaking people out with that, Josh. They want two to three. Uh, backs, so It's the reality
0: of it, though. He would be one of those. I would say Corey Ryan would be one of those as kind of a swing, but I think they would take another running back Can in you, addition to those two. Stop, we've got running back
1: talk know, coming up later. No.
2: Because right now you also don't know Jay Sean Corbin's status. Like, If he's eligible to play skin. next year,
1: yeah. Yeah. this more might be a different yeah. Yeah. yeah, so the, there are questions looming all over the place at running back. We'll get into more in-depth running back talk because that's one of the questions. Your I. are shadowing? It's not even foreshadowing because that would <laughs> that would imply there's some tack to it. No, this is just blunt right. hit you over the top. Donovan
0: Kaufman, I'm
1: moving on. Hey, then, can I tell you something about Webb real no, quick? You, I no. watched his highlights
0: today. Okay. Start doing you think? it, you
1: know, maybe start starting the scouting report. He's sawed off. He's shorter, but man, he's got quick feet. He's powerful. Catch the ball out of the backfield. The only thing he lacks is the home run speed. Everything else is there.
0: He remind. was it Ty Jones that played at FSU several years ago, Josh? Ty Jones. I remember that name. Um, from out of Tampa. No, he I forget where Ty Jones was from. I mean, you would think I didn't have a computer right in front of me, but uh, oh, God, there's typing on the
1: podcast. People are going to freak out.
0: But he kind of in some ways there's yeah. Ty Jones is the name. He reminds me a little bit of him. The build, the way he runs. I think Ty was a little bit more explosive straight ahead speed wise. But that, when I've watched the film, that's who I've kind of come back on.
1: Go ahead and watch it, Webb's uh, highlights from this past season. Mm-hmm. The first two plays are really impressive, and then there's another one. Where his just balance is absurd, like what he does in tight quarters and his ability to break tackles but still keep moving in the right direction. It's it's impressive.
0: I think he helps around out that room too with yeah. Toe Philly and Corbin because he's not like them.
1: Correct. Right. It's it's a, and that's why we all have Crystal Balls in right now, I think, is because he well I'll explain it for me. He, he has, makes
2: sense for different
1: reasons. He makes sense for FSU's perspective. FSU makes sense for him. He's in need. Uh, he's the FSU's the best offer. They could offer playing time for him. It all just clicks. Makes sense. They
0: offered. He locked in the visits. The only visit yeah. he's locked in. It's kind of like you can just see the trend. That,
2: that. Dare I say they check each other's boxes.
1: Oh,
0: boxes Chris, checked.
1: Chris is drooling right now.
0: Don, right. Donovan Kaufman, What's talented on? safety who could honestly also call an outside linebacker. The way he plays the game, it fits both roles. He's only five, nine, a little thought off buck 95, but he'll put you on your ass and hit you. He can cover. He can play to all parts of the field. His film is a blast to watch. He's one of those guys that I think people look at the measurables and the three stars and they're like, Ugh. but I love his film. He was the first offer of Mike Norvell at FSU. He's a guy they loved at Memphis. They actually hosted him at Memphis. They missed out on him. He committed to Vanderbilt. FSU and Old Miss are really pushing that Vanderbilt commitment. He's scheduled to go to Old Miss next week. I'm very interested to see if that visit happens or if he possibly puts an end to his recruitment here. I like him a ton. I think he's really, really talented dude. Colorado likes him a lot. Mel, who's that Colorado head coach, former Georgia defensive coordinator? He knows what a guy looks like on defense. So that, to me, that's a a reinforcement of my opinion.
1: That's the biggest knock on him is that he's a little sought off. Chris, do you know who he reminds me of? I covered him in high school, Carl Joseph. Yeah, I'd agree with Ooh. that. Yeah. Uh, just really the way agree. the way he plays. West Virginia, correct? He, uh, yeah, and played. He's he still with the Oakland Raiders. He's had a nice NFL career. Uh, so kind of that type of mold where he's a versatile safety linebacker type who will hit you maybe a little short. That's fine. All right, Josh, last guy that we know of right now, offensive tackle, Robert Scott, uh, offensive tackle, obviously a big deal around these parts.
2: Yeah. Big deal. And Robert Scott is from Conway, Arkansas. He's six foot six, 295 pounds. FSU would absolutely love to add another high school offensive tackle in the 2020 class. Scott is currently committed to Ole Miss, but did not sign during the early period. FSU was not recruiting him uh, under the previous staff, but Mike Norvell at Memphis was. So there is a previous relationship there, not completely unfamiliar. Um, is Scott- that
1: weird to you? Is that weird to you, Josh? So FSU wasn't recruiting him under the previous staff. Now the offensive line coach from the previous staff is at Ole Miss,
2: right? Uh, yes and no. I mean, uh, uh, you know, the previous staff kind of stopped recruiting in early December as, as far as extending new offers and stuff, just because Willie Taggart was fired by then. Um, so it's hard to say. I mean, by now I think they would be on him just because there's so few uncommitted or unsigned offensive tackles left in the country. Uh, he's one of the few and FSU will have another one on campus, Jalen St. John, um, later in, in this month. So that being said, Scott will visit FSU this weekend on an official visit. He'll visit Arkansas the following weekend, and he has nothing planned for the weekend of the 31st. So it looks like right now it's going to come down on signing day to three programs, Ole Miss FSU and Arkansas. Um, Scott has very little social media presence. He doesn't say a whole lot. He's nearly impossible to get a hold of over the phone. Me, Zach and Chris have been trying over the past five days and we get nothing in return. So, It'll be interesting to see what he has to say after the visit, but I've done a little digging behind the scenes and I'm told that there's a good bit of confidence by FSU that they can land him and that they need him. Um, so I'm eager to see what he has to say on Sunday when he departs Tallahassee.
0: I've been told that mama Bear in that case is very important. That mom kind of helps run a recruitment. She, she is very in tune to it. And I, I guess his sister is also a basketball player. I don't know how high level she is, but she is in the college recruiting kind of cycle. So, yeah, she's dealing with it from two directions.
2: Yeah, I had a good source tell me uh, suggest suggests to me that I should put in a crystal ball. Um, I haven't yet because he's been so difficult to get a hold of. I mean, we fully expect him on campus this weekend, but I kind of just want to make sure he makes it to campus and then I want to. I want to see what he has to say on Sunday. I don't think I'll put a crystal ball in before then.
1: We'll have to see those post-visit vibes, what they look like. Yeah,
2: we'll feel all these vibes.
1: What other recruiting – I have five questions I want us to get to before we wrap up here, guys. Any other recruiting tidbits that we want to uh, float out there right now?
0: Well, I mean, it's the first weekend, so we're going to be keeping an eye on where guys go. Malachi Weidman, for example, is expected at Tennessee this weekend. Obviously an important one. One guy FSU had committed that didn't sign – Marcus Henderson is a guy that we don't yet know where he's going this week. He's locked in Georgia, or I'm sorry, Alabama, and then Georgia for the next two weekends. So, you know, if it's gonna happen, it's kind of got to be this weekend. And then, you know, some of the other guys we expect FSU to bring in in future weeks: Jalen St. John, uh, Dejon Edwards, Chris Abrams, Drain, Gilbert Edmond. They all have visits elsewhere. I think Gilbert's going to USF. Chris is going to uh, Nebraska. Chris Abrams-Strain is going to Nebraska. Edwards is going to uh, Arkansas this weekend, Georgia next weekend, FSU at the end of the month. So, you know, keeping an eye on that. And then D Beckwith, Marcus Beckwith, is a kid that they offered here recently. He was locked into Kentucky, Florida, and uh, finishing the month at Tennessee. I fully expect him to take those back two visits. A Kentucky one. He keeps telling, he's told me and Zach today that he is going to Kentucky this weekend. A Kentucky source told us they weren't sure they were bringing him in this weekend. Somebody that covers Kentucky, not somebody on that specific staff, but I believe they were getting it from that staff. So that's kind of one that I'm going to keep an eye on and just see if anything develops there. All
1: right, you guys ready for questions? Yep. All right, first one comes from Tone Capone Four. I like that. Oh man, Tone. I like it. Do you think it would be better to get a grad transfer to fill our open roster spots instead of quote reaching for high school guys to fill those spots? At DN, and offensive tackle, hell yeah. Hold on,
2: FSU's reaching regardless right now. I mean,
1: hang on, hang on, everyone, calm down.
2: (laughs) Both trying to fire off. The man wanted an answer. We're just firing him answers. (laughs)
1: Let's (laughs) let's provide let's provide a little context. We're looking at what, about seven scholarship spots to fill right now, give or take? Yeah. Give or take. Uh, So we're looking at about seven right now. Josh, you go ahead with your flaming hot take right now. Uh, We hope
2: FSU can fill seven spots with seven quality guys. The problem isn't the decision whether to scrape the bottom of the barrel for offensive tackles out of high school or go the grad transfer route. Uh, you're pretty much scraping the bottom of the barrel regardless. And we see what happens when a quality player enters the transfer portal. It's like piranhas on fresh meat. Um, we see these guys go in and we see FSU follow. But then, of course, Ohio State, Alabama, you know, all these Georgia, other programs jump in. And right now, unfortunately, FSU is just not up there on the food chain. Um, call it what you want, but the proof is in the pudding with what FSU has to deal with in terms of, um, transfers. I mean, even a guy like Roche, who's a defensive end transfer at a position of critical need that could come in and play right away. Isn't really still, isn't really giving FSU the time of day. So I think FSU would love to go the grad transfer route and bring in guys that could bridge the gap immediately, but it looks like more realistically FSU is going to have to still recruit high school and still monitor the grad transfers. There's just not a lot of options out there. I agree with Josh wholeheartedly. The one thing I would add is I think it would be beneficial for FSU
0: if they're able to pull it off to get someone from both from both the grad transfer portal yes. as well as high school because you're, you're worried about next year and about developing depth for the long term.
1: And for what we know of Mike Norvell, one is uh, he's going to be very aggressive yep. with transfers, both grad transfer market and junior college. other uh, junior college stuff, I think, was essential from his time at Memphis. That means he has ties there, too. They're just going to quickly overhaul the roster.
0: Dillingham recruited Juco. In honor. Uh, it's been a school that's been very good at recruiting Juco. Mm-hmm. Dillingham had a big hand in that. Those guys that are, I
1: mean, so Memphis, you kind of have to do that based on your location. You get down to Mississippi pretty quickly. You have ties there. Those guys were also in Arizona before. Another area where you're kind of in between Texas and California where there's a lot of junior colleges. So, uh, w- I do think, though, with Mike Norvell, he's been pretty clear to say, I'm not going to reach just to yeah. reach for guys. Obviously, there's positions of need. Running back, we'll get into that next, is something where they are going to explore all options and fill spots because they absolutely need it. But he's not looking to say, okay, we need to be 85 scholarships going into this season. Uh, he's just not. So I'm curious to see what that like line is like, okay, how far down do you have to reach to fill a position of need? and what We're going to see through that one, recruiting his his chops there and what he can do in the next couple of weeks and then two, truly what the positions of need are in his mind other than running back based on if you miss out on a guy or two, who you're quote-unquote reaching for.
0: And they kick the tires on a ton of guys. There's a lot of guys we never talk about on the site. We never talk about on a pod that we know they at least reached out to, spoke to, and checked on. But for whatever reason, it's not going to materialize, whether that's on FSU's end or the kid's end. You know, for example, DeAndre Butler, really talented Juco D.N. He's a kid that FSU's been in contact with, largely since his staff got assembled. But the issue with him is, you know, he's, he's already taken one official. He's got three locked in for three weekends, Oklahoma, Oregon, and Auburn. He's a kid who I believe is from Georgia, Covington, Georgia, maybe, somewhere in central Georgia, um, or towards the Atlanta area. And, you know, Auburn's a school that's kind of sitting pretty with him. But he's a guy that I believe Dillingham and the staff at Auburn were involved with from the JUCO ranks that FSU is trying to get involved with. But the problem is FSU's sort of by design late to the party because – you know, the group throwing the party didn't get to get until late December or early January. So it's tough to attain some of these guys because relationships just are further developed for others.
1: All right, now we can get to running backs. I know both of you have been anxious to get there. Makers Marksman, I love that name because I assume it's about the bourbon, asks, I uh, think it's possible we take four total running backs in this class. All right, so running back is a position of deep. Mike Norvell has made that abundantly clear. He's been pretty transparent. Somebody my- wrote about that this week. Apparently, I said that they didn't need offensive linemen in the middle of that story too. Have you? Didn't it or did? Did not. That's what how people read that. I should have really read it for you, man. I'm I, sorry. I did not mention the offensive line once, which okay. I can. <laughs> uh, but yeah they they use they use their running backs in a variety of ways. Mike Norvell has shown the ability to be very creative using them as running backs, as wide receivers, uh, and they slot want a receivers, variety of backs. And they want multiple skill set for that reason. Uh, so right now they have Lawrence Tolefili, who Norvell raved about on signing That You could tell that was one of the guys he thought was legitimately one of the best guys in the class.
0: Tola Philly said at Poly Bowl check-in in Hawaii this week that the first call Norvell made when he was calling current commitments and recruits was him. Was him. And I think that was referenced at some point at during some point, the early signing day press conference, uh, too.
1: But, but like Tolefili and Josh can speak this because, one, great athlete in space, but, two, what he can do receiving as a receiver as well, right, Josh? he's needs to do it all back.
2: He definitely is. And he's improved on running between the tackles because that was one of the things that we watched early on. He was so dominant with um, the competition he was playing. He could get away with just kind of breaking it outside for his big runs. But during his senior year, we saw him work it more within the tackles. So that's good because everything you said is true about his game. um, But we wanted to see whether he could really pound it between the tackles. and And we did see that more his senior season.
0: Somebody that I know that knows him and is familiar with kind of his makeup told me they think that when he gets in a strength and conditioning program in college and nutrition program that his body is going to really blow up.
1: He's gangly right now, long and lean and and has the ability to – I think the making based on what Chris is saying about his frame and what he could do physically and what Josh is talking about with this game developing – could become a really good complete back, but yeah. for now he's still a work in progress. Yeah, there's
0: going to be a little bit of a transition for him. He mm-hmm. might be able to do something for you as a freshman, but I don't know if what he is as a junior senior is similar to what he is when he walks on
1: campus. So he's one of the guys that you have, and they feel good about Corbin in some capacity. Jay Sean Corbin's the other one. If we're counting him as part of this class, I think we do. The Texas A&M transfer, a lot to like about his game. I wrote about that earlier this week or late last week. Uh, but, but check that out on Knowles 24 seven, because he does a lot of things well, including kickoff returner. Again, another guy who does multiple things. Well, question marks. I think Josh talked about earlier though, with him, uh, the hamstring, that's one of the, one of the question marks. He had a pretty serious injury there. He is with the program. He is part of the team right now. I don't know the extent of what he's working out, but he is with the team active right now. So I mean, that's, that's a good sign. Uh, you also don't know about his eligibility. It seemed like to me, Mike Norvell was kind of laying the groundwork for a immediate uh, eligibility deal. When in that relate in the press release he put out about Jay Sean Corbin, said it's important for him to be back home in Florida, uh, planting planting the seeds there. Those are two guys. We expect at least two more, correct? Yeah, I
0: mean, we've all talked about we expect Webb. And then you got a guy like Edwards who, you know, in December was definitely leaning FSU's direction. I think that. The relationship there has to be not patched, but kind of bridged with the new group to see if it carries on. Corey Wren's another guy who I personally consider a running back, versatile athlete, so I would include him in that number. I think he's certainly a possibility. So, yeah, four, I would take the over, truthfully.
1: Look at how they used, I think it's Antonio Gibson at Memphis. Um, who's in the Senior Bowl. In the Senior Bowl, uh, and you could probably check out you know him working this week, or next week, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, but, but look at how they used him. That's how they would probably use Corey Wren. Uh, Gibson's a little bit bigger, but Ren is very much so the athlete that he is. Uh, and then we talked about the actual dynamics of the running back room right now. Kalen LeBourne has been suspended a couple of times since his time at Florida State. with multiple times. injuries that have required procedures. Uh, we believe he's with the team now working out uh, pretty healthy at the moment. But yeah, I don't know how much you truly invest in like what he can be. I, obviously, there's a ton of potential there. That's a question that remains, you know, T B D. Anthony Grant is back around with the team. That's good news. But as Josh said, like we don't know what kind of we don't know what kind of shape he's in. We don't know exactly what his deal is. So that's another guy where it's kind of murky. Uh, anyone else scholarship running back that I'm missing? You brought up LeBorn, Anthony Grant,
0: and that whole interesting dynamic. And yeah, then, then
1: no. okay. Um and, and then you obviously know what Deontay Sheffield and Trayshawn Ward seem like they bring value to you, but there's probably a cap on to what that is as well. So I,
0: I would say that you can tell from the staff's perspective, that running back is important because they've also been involved with Jalen Wright, Why Trey Bradford is another guy that they kind of push for. And then I think LSU and Texas kind of superseded FSU in that recruitment. Jameer Gibbs is a kid that we heard they were involved with, but again, bigger schools kind of push Henry Parrish is a kid. We know again, they at least kicked the tires on, but it doesn't look like FSU is going to be in that. So that board was pretty expansive pretty quickly with this staff. So I think it's clear to tell that running back's is a very important spot. They want to be overstocked at that position.
1: Josh, how many more minutes do I have you for?
2: Good. I'm good for 15.
1: Okay, we're good. We're, golden. Yep, good. we're golden. All right. Johnny Mo 82 asks, it seems like their staff is already making that pivot to 2021. Taking <laughs> <laughs> what they can for 2020 but building for a big year next year, can you give us any insights on the strategies you see developing with how Norvell will recruit? Josh, I'm going to kick this to you, but, but real quick, uh, Adam Fuller is someone that I spoke with. Uh, on, what are you What are you doing? You just talk. Chris is being weird. Uh, he's really getting in my personal space right now. Uh, Adam Fuller at National Signing Day for the early signing day period, uh, party. Or not party, early signing period. You're really – you're stop. You're really throwing me <laughs> off. Stop. Get out of here. I was reading something. Don't, don't read Don't read I'm <laughs> Fuller is going to drive to St.
0: Pete and record with Josh because he's less high maintenance than you are.
1: I will drive three and a half hours instead of three minutes. Could you see Chris on the screen, Josh? No. So maybe it wasn't as close as I felt. (laughs) Anyways, I asked Adam Fuller about whether the pressure was alleviated because they were able to get 95 percent of their commitments on board and signed in the early signing period. He was like, I I," basically I'm paraphrasing. He said it wasn't that uh, I wouldn't say that we don't have pressure anymore, but this does allow us to focus on a core group of guys for 2020 and start casting a wide net for 2021 Josh, you talked about this a lot during the Willie Taggart era. It always seemed like they were kind of playing from behind on the recruiting trail. What are your thoughts on how this staff is kind of handling recruiting for future classes 2021-2022?
2: I don't think this is out of the ordinary at all. I think every team in the country that is successfully recruiting has essentially already turned the page from 2020 to 2021. Most programs maybe have three spots to fill, maybe four. Um, FSU has seven could be even more if, if they find quality guys. Um, last year I, I spoke about this a lot. The importance of, not, uh, of getting those guys signed early. FSU did not do that. Therefore they were crisscrossing the country and the state in January to check on their 2019 recruits when the rest of the country had already moved on to 2020. Um, I, I feel like FSU is still battling from behind and they'll be battling behind for the foreseeable future. Um, but this is just what they have to do. Even though they have a lot of spots to still fill in 2020, they have to turn the page to 2021 in some form or fashion. And we're going to see them do that on January 25th when they first, when they host their first junior day. Right now, we have uh, just under 10 prospects confirmed, but I think we'll see over a dozen by the time that event rolls around. And that'll be an unofficial visit day on January 25th, which is a Saturday. They'll also have official visitors on campus, but they'll they'll be able to pull off this junior day. Um, with only, I think, three or four official visitors that weekend. So we will see them focus on 2021, but this is kind of just the industry standard right now. I don't think this is anything out of the ordinary.
0: Yeah, and to add to that, they're going to have more junior days. March 7th is one we've already Mm -hmm. seen starting to come together. I think they're going to be pretty open door throughout the spring as far as people getting up here about coaches and kids. So I think we'll see a decent amount in the spring. You know, I'm interested to see if they hold one in February or not or if they just kind of go all out to offer kids, start relationships and work on getting them in in the spring. I'm very interested to see how we fill the gap between January 25th and when spring football rolls around. So that's going to be the key. But they've offered a lot of 21 kids, some 22 kids, too. They're working there, but they're going to be a bit behind because you just naturally are when you walk in late. But there are some relationships that will carry over from their previous gigs that I'm sure we'll see them lean on early here. With 20 yeah, minutes.
2: and my comment on FSU playing from behind right now, I don't mean that to take a, a shot at the staff. I just mean that's where FSU is. Um, that's The logo itself just doesn't hold the weight that it did two or three years ago. So in that regard, I feel like FSU is battling from behind, not yeah, anything a, due to what the staff has done. It's a natural order
0: of a staff being hired Correct. in December. You're just— You know, every staff has turnover, but you literally flipped over the entire staff outside of two people.
1: All right. Good stuff, fellas. Uh, Already, already. The apex no-ass, Chris, is this primarily—
0: This is what I was reading. I saw my last name in there, and the funny thing is I read the question. I go, that's exactly how I was going (laughs) to (laughs) answer So go ahead to explain your anxiety from
1: earlier. Chris is, like, lurking over my shoulder trying to read this question for about 20 seconds. All right, gut feeling from all of you is blackman that's james blackman still a member of the team when fall practice starts (laughs) and please don't let me answer one of his quote he's on the roster no now and will be until he's not quote type answers
0: yeah that's on brand it's like the dude being interviewed and just by the cops and being like lawyer (laughs) that's where i'm at with this answer i'm just gonna keep saying lawyer
2: (laughs) go ahead josh All right, I'll take a shot at this one. Do I think he's still a member of the team when fall practice starts? I do. Um, I do because I think he's going to get, I think he's going to get a majority of the number one reps in the spring. FSU hasn't to this point brought in a transfer quarterback or somebody that I see is being able to really unseat James Blackman in that quarterback room in the spring. Um, And I say that because I think he's going to feel good about where he stands coming out of there. And I anticipate him to be on the roster in the fall. I, I, Without bringing somebody else in that can play right away, I don't see why necessarily we're ready to run James Blackman out of here. I know he hasn't performed the best, but when you look at the rest of the room, I mean, what are we working with?
1: Well, the reason why people are some people are ready to run James Blackman out of here is because I get of, it the last game they saw was the end of last
0: season for him ended with the train running off the tracks and it just kept happening.
1: And it wasn't the first time that dynamic was at play. I will say this and Chris and I have talked about this. I think it was on the last time all three of us were together on the pod. Uh, There's a lot that you have to fix with James Blackman right now. I know I don't feel great about him being quarterback one and during the spring. Uh, With that being said, though, I'm not saying that you can't repair him. I, I think there's nuance here So, like a, a coach who is very competent with quarterbacks and is going to be here and knows how to build an offense around different type of QBs could possibly make James serviceable and, and reinstill the, the confidence that's much needed with them right now. Is Sounds that like likely? what we've heard
2: the last two years too. Yeah,
1: That's what I'm saying. Is it likely at this point, James may be who James is at the same time. I don't think there's an issue with having him on campus. I, think go through spring, see what you have for him. I'm with you, Josh. I agree. I think that it's more likely that James is here in the fall than not simply they haven't added an if they added a veteran to the to the mix as a grad transfer, then yeah, I think James would probably see the writing on the wall. That hasn't been the case though.
0: The yeah, other part of the dynamic and I agree, I think he's here in the fall. He has never shown that he wanted to leave since the little portal moment we had a couple years ago. Well almost a couple years ago now. He's always kind of been
1: in. That was only a year. I mean, that wasn't exactly a year ago.
0: Was it? Yeah. Gone time I mean,
1: he, James loves Florida State. I think he really cares about his teammates. Uh, the portal thing last year was more of a not knowing where he stood and not knowing where he stood with Willie Taggart. And that kind of played out again this season where they kind of yo-yoed back and forth with him. Uh, that James' intuition, I believe, in that moment was correct with where he stood with Willie uh, it's tough, to, guys. It's tough to play quarter. It's tough to play any position or do anything in life when your boss doesn't truly believe in you. And I don't think that I was believe the mess- you, Brandon. <laughs> I love you, man. <laughs> we <laughs> believe in you. Hey, I'm even thriving. Zach believes. In I didn't it. say this job's tough. We're thriving right now. This is the best the business has ever been. We're breaking news. People business like the is podcast. Booming. Things are going too well. Where I think something tragic is going to happen. So.
0: Well, Josh almost died because of a pile I, of pine needles. That's
1: one of the first three bad things that are going to happen to us i don't know what the other two are yet i might walk home might be safer than driving <laughs> all right next question you and Carl are there I any dark the the question are there
0: any this is southern pack great name are there any dark horse offense linemen that may become available or a possibility by way of grad transfer that we haven't heard of the answer to well, that, that is always going be to be a yes
1: but, i mean if we had heard of them they wouldn't be dark horses yeah
2: right? If you're looking for a name from me, you're not getting one,
1: but I, I... <laughs>
2: <laughs> can I throw, I'll throw out one name that we could potentially see as a, as a future target. And that's okay. Juco offensive lineman, Emilio Moran. Um, I know there's some interest there from FSU. I checked on it a couple of days ago and there had been no contact between the two or Chris, you checked on it as well. Yeah. And there had been no direct contact between the two just yet. Um, could be FSU looking at his eligibility and some stuff like that before they make a move on him. He's that's the only name on my radar.
0: Originally from Virginia, he's at Lackawanna Community College. He's set to go to ECU this weekend, Maryland. Next weekend he went to FIU before break. It looks like those are three officials he's locked in to this point in time. No offer from FSU to our knowledge. I know some people think he's going to end up at Maryland. That's kind of where things have trended to at this point in time. The crystal ball is split between ECU and Maryland. But a person who I would trust who has knowledge of that kid's recruitment believes it's Maryland.
1: It's Lackawanna in Pennsylvania? If yes. So that's that's where Scranton, Pennsylvania is, and that's where the office took place?
0: And you're wearing an office shirt. Oh it comes God, full God. circle. Yeah.
1: Okay. One, thing, one of the reasons why, guys, I want to include as the five questions, the one from Southern Pack, I'm feeling this – shockingly i'm feeling anxiety not for myself though <laughs> from others about the offensive line recruiting i've seen that manifest itself in many different ways people sending me dms about the o line uh, seeing a running back story get overrun by people talking about the offensive line <laughs> people are worried about the offensive line right now we understand the issues with the offensive line uh, are, are you guys surprised that they haven't gotten a little bit more traction with some of the grad transfer guys
2: today not no not really okay I mean the Ooh, kids are
0: – they're jumping into a really crowded pool and some of the kids are jumping into pool with are bigger, meaner, and sexier than they are right now. So. Mean, sexy kids. Hey, oh. Jesus
2: Christ.
0: <laughs> <laughs> OK. that analogy. Good point. <laughs> but you know what I mean. I can't edit that. I don't know how. <laughs>
2: Whatever <laughs> I do know. What it. I, I, I honestly, we got
1: Chris Bluster. <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> I, I feel turns. I
2: feel like when a when a quality offensive lineman or defensive lineman jumps in the portal, it's literally like a feeding frenzy. Yeah. And I, 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 I got found. I got coaches I reaching it. out to me all the time asking for under the radar O lineman, D lineman, and my answer to them is like, mm-hmm. welcome to the you know to the rest of the country. They're all looking for this right now. And FSU's not the only one, even though they have immediate playing time to give. um, It's not it's not the only thing kids are looking for. If you are a transfer, you're looking to likely to go to a spot where you can kind of elevate your game and and play for something meaningful. And right now, Florida State's in a full rebuild, while other teams are looking for those final pieces to just put together and make a run. I can't believe that happened. Some kids, some
0: players just want to be plug and play. And it, it's just, you know, FSU is not the most appealing. Well, FSU offers that playing time. If you're a grad transfer who can play immediately, the schools that are recruiting you are usually recruiting you to play immediately.
1: Josh, you know how hard it is? Have you ever seen Chris nee uncomfortable
2: before? It just happened. Yeah, I've seen it. Not not hey, can I run through here and answer all these questions real quick? You pick five. Because you be the there's team. no reason why we can't just answer all these questions. No, you're the
1: one who has a time. to Do it, Take it. the all right. torch and run. I'm and I had a hypothetical to throw out before we end everything, too. I like to play my games. But but let me save, save me a minute for that, please. Go ahead.
2: OK. If Brendan's done chatting, I can just whip through these. All right. Where do we finish in recruiting rankings? FSU is currently 21st. I think best case scenario, maybe 18. Worst case scenario, maybe 24. I think they have a top 25 class. Any word on DT or DN prospects? Nope. Wish we had them. Anything new on grad transfers or Juco OTs? Nope. We just gave you one nugget of a guy that FSU could be in on. Has the staff been in contact with linebacker Brandon Jennings? And if so, any future visits lined up? Uh, he's a 2021 prospect, I, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Sandalwood Kid, sure Son of Bradley Jennings. But right now we don't have anything confirmed. Anyone on commit watch this weekend, I would personally put Damian, Webb on there. That's the only one. Any updates on Jamar Gibbs? I thought, remember seeing he was planning on a visit in January. Uh, that was a report from Warchant.com That was false. Jamar Gibbs is not planning on taking a visit to FSU right now. He has visits scheduled elsewhere. Um, he never really, he never set one up with FSU. If that needs to we'll definitely report on it, he'd be, he'd immediately be the top running back on FSU's board. Uh, what differences are you seeing in recruiting so far? What differences would you hope to see this weekend from previous regimes? Uh, we got to remember FSU. The previous regime at FSU did a great job with official visits and official visit weekends. So, and they got results from those. So, hopefully, this FSU staff does as well. The differences I'm seeing in recruiting uh, this one, this staff does a much better job of getting to the transfer portal quickly and reaching out and making contact with these guys at key positions of need. Uh, the other staff didn't seem to put a real emphasis on the portal. How does the support staff compare number wise to Taggart and Jimbo's? What about FSU Clemson in Miami currently? I think this is going to be pretty much on par with what Taggart had, maybe um, two or three more guys in the recruiting office but it looks like the qcs and gas and all that is pretty standard outside of that chief operating officer role that um, fsu brought in i think everything else is pretty much standard i don't know the exact numbers at clemson uf and miami do you guys i mean do you guys know those comparatively to what fsu has
0: no. clemson's is big clemson's yeah. the biggest of those but three i still don't, don't you.
2: know how big like i don't yeah. know numbers wise how big
0: I mean, if you, if you look at Clemson's staff directory and that doesn't include some of the guys that have very lowly titles
2: off the field, their staff for football is extensive. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on. Is the fact that we are not seeing a splash on the recruiting trail, something we should be concerned about? I would say no for two reasons. I would say yes and no. I would say no, because there's just not a lot of options out there. Now that early signing period has changed the game, you can't expect a staff to come in and really flip the table on recruiting. Um, am I concerned from a macro sense? Yes. Because at the end of the day, FSU is not getting the players. It needs to close the gap on the upper tier teams in the ACC and sec. Um, but in all reality, FSU is doing everything they can. Um, what's the projected RB hall. We've talked about this. What's the real story on my wide He was all in after his exit interview to now taking visits to random programs. Um, Tennessee, we, we talked about it, Tennessee this weekend, Oregon the following weekend, FAU the weekend after that. He already took his official to FSU. What's the real story? He's looking at all his options. Um, I think people got in his ear after his official visit because I spoke to him after that official and he sounded locked in. His mom sounded locked in. But obviously, um, plans changed. Weidman's always been a little bit of a wild card because he's in on, in on hoops as well. So, you, so that backs card. into his recruitment. But um we'll see. He still he still remains committed. There was a rumor Brendan brought to my attention a couple of days ago where Brendan said, you know, hey, I heard uh potential decommitment uh by Weidman. I checked with his people, I said, hey, I know he didn't sign. Um should we still leave him as a commitment on on the website? And I was told yes, don't change anything. Um
1: so that was only like one or two or three, one of two or three rumors I had sent you about Weidman. Rumor Central just, yeah, right now.
2: I only hear about um, what who are the prospects FSU has a chance to get that are immediate impact players at left tackle. Um, <laughs> those guys don't exist. Yeah, I wish we could tell you more about those guys maybe um, on next year's podcast. Will FSU be able to land any quality lineman on so on National Sign Day? Um, yes, they're bringing in Robert Scott this weekend. Jalen St. John is another major target that they're bringing in. Uh, how many more transfer O-line men do you expect? I mean, that's as many as FSU can, can find that are worthy of playing at FSU and that want to come play at FSU. I think one or two would probably do it. Um, because guys like that are looking to come in and play right away. It seems the staff is already making a pivot to 20. 20- oh, you read that one. Okay. Um, <laughs> This Chris, you're trying to wrap Chris up. was
1: desperately trying to get me to mute the mic there for them. And I wasn't sorry. Chris.
2: Do you yes. think Webb is any better than Sheffield? Um, that's a good question. Is Webb any better than Sheffield? I mean, they kind of bring different styles, um, need them both. It doesn't matter. I, I expect them both to be on the roster next year. We'll find out. We'll find out. Don't waste time. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Um, all right. My ADD kicked in. I'm bored. I'm, I'm good
1: with these. Printing. I had to mute it. He's trying to sneeze again. Chris is just derailed in the last 10 minutes. This has I been epic. answering questions. If this want. has been epic. Damn poll analogies. Oh, my God. <laughs> I have a friend who asks pretty much every week. He's like, hey, can I play this? He te- he's a middle school teacher. He's like, can I play this? Are you going to sneeze again? He's not like, me. can I play this in class? <laughs> Definitely not for this one. It's <laughs> not appropriate. All right, guys. I appreciate your time. No, um, I have a, I have a I have a hypothetical for both of you. Okay. you know what no i'm done five star review on itunes if you want if not i understand we'll talk to you guys next time what's going on